Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it is such joy to be here in Wisconsin speaking with you. You know, out of all of the places I've gotten the honor and the privilege to get to go speak, I have never been speaking in Wisconsin before. I've actually never been to Wisconsin before, uh, which is kind of crazy to me because I've lived all over the United States, I've spoken everywhere, and I've never been here. So no pressure, but I'm going to judge the entire state by how this goes with you. (laughs) Speaking of pressure, while it is a great honor to get to speak in a Mother's Day service, there's a lot of pressure attached to it. Uh, Like if I mess this up for moms, I will add this to my long list of mom failures and mom guilt of which the list is long and includes things like slamming my daughter's door, my daughter's fingers in the door of a car. Right, moms? You've been there. Yes, the list is long, and that is one of the many mom fails I've had in my entire mom tenure, of which is long at this point because I have three grown kids, 25, 22, and 20. Uh, I'm honored to have one of my kids with me here today, my daughter, 20 years old, Shay, who goes to Baylor University, and so uh, it's a great honor to have her with me here today. Thank you, for Shay, for being with me. Uh, I drug her here like I drug her her entire life everywhere I went. But I do wanna honor our mothers and our grandmothers. I wanna add to the honor. Uh, many of us would not be here today if it weren't for our mothers and our grandmothers who uh, did good kingdom work with their prayers and their hands, thank you. The ones who found all of our missing keys and wallets, who made us soup with love in it when we were sick and carried many personal struggles while doing it in their heart that only themselves and God knew all about. I honor those of us who are missing our moms today in their absence, maybe have missed moms our whole life in the absence of a mother. I honor the ones longing today for motherhood and moms grieving in whatever way that looks like. I honor the many women who have stood in the absence of a mother and have mothered us in so many ways. You know, spiritual motherhood is so very, very special. So I honor you. Uh, As much as I love moms, I have to tell you that I'm not here today to bring a message to mothers. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's not what I'm here to do today. I'm actually here to talk to all of us because we're all here, and um, if you're a mom, maybe you drug some people to church today. You said, this is what I want for Mother's Day. Come to church with me. (laughs) And so I know what we want as moms more than anything is just to have um, us talk about Jesus. So that's what we're gonna talk today about. We're gonna talk about Jesus. Uh, I'm here to talk to all of us about how whoever you are, Whatever you do, wherever you go, the God knows all about you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you are here with us today. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you see us. I thank you that you know us. 
God, I just thank you so much that your word has power that we as humans do not have. I thank you that it speaks to us, that it changes us, that it never changes, that you never change. And so, Father, I just pray that you will be with us this morning in whatever situation that we're in, because you know it. And so, Father, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would do a work in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here's what's happening in Job 23. That's where we're gonna plant ourselves for our time together. And I wanna give you some backstory context first as we kind of dive in here. Job, you may or may not know, he's the man who has basically lost everything. So by the time we get to him in Job 23, that's where we find him. He's lost everything. He's lost his possessions. He's lost his children. He's lost his health. I mean, if there were a hardship Olympics, Job is taking the first prize. When we enter Job 23, on top of all that, he's now had three of his friends pour salt into his wounds by trying to help him. Thinking that there has to be some kind of hidden sin that's caused all of this problem to happen in his life, that's caused all of these things to, to rack up, that's caused all of this grief. How many of you know that sometimes we as people can assess things and assume things and we can be dead wrong? Sometimes we can think that all of the things that have happened to someone else or even to ourselves are because of this, this, and this, and we just don't know what God does. Because listen, we know from Job 2, if we go back some chapters, we know that Job's friends didn't start out in investigation or interrogation mode. E, B, and Z is what I'm calling them. I'm abbreviating their names because listen, pronouncing Bible names is way overrated. E, B, and Z originally came to comfort and console him in his trouble. We know this because it says in the Bible, when they heard of the tragedy he suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes. They heard of it, they traveled from their homes. It says they wailed loudly, they tore their robes, which was customary in that time. They threw dust in the air. Listen, when somebody goes through something now, we take them over a little casserole. But this, I mean this, next level. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No cozy sectional, no pottery barn blanket. They sat with him in his grief. When was the last time we sat with someone in their grief without sort of scrolling our phones and checking? Come on, church. When was the last time? It says in verse 13, no one said a word for they saw his suffering was too great for words. At some point, they had a little discernment. I mean, we're so good as church people in inserting words when someone goes through something. We're like, well, we gotta say a little bit here, right? But the community of silent grieving can be so holy. I tell you all this because I need you to understand that by the time we get to Job 23, Job has not only been through a lot, 
Remember, he's taking first prize in the suffering Olympics. But he has also been through now a lot with his friends. He's weary, he's wounded, and now this is his eighth response back to their interrogation and their questioning. So he, he's, a little, he's a little short here, he's a little frustrated. And oh, by the way, on top of all this, God is silent. God's not responding in his pain. Not at this point. Here's what it says in Job 23, one through eight. My complaint today is still a bitter one and I try hard not to groan aloud. If only I knew where to find God, I would go to his throne and talk with him there. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Would he merely argue with me in his greatness? No, he would give me a fair hearing. Fair and honest people can reason with him, so I would be acquitted by my judge. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he's hidden. I turn to the south, but I cannot find him. But he knows where I'm going. He's saying, if only I knew why, why I was going through this. If only I knew what, what sin to repent from. If only I knew where, where God was in all this, I would do something. And this is the reality of us as humans, right? If only I knew, yes, if, if only I knew, then I would trust God. Then I would change. Then I would have faith. Then I would be a better Christian. Then I would believe. But that's not the way a relationship with God works. It is a relationship where we say, I don't know, but you know. And that's all I need to know. It is, in essence, living in a dark room, going through life in a dark room, and being led by the only person who can actually see in the dark. And that is the life that God intended. See, when God created our first father, Adam, he breathed into him his ruach, Hebrew meaning breath of God, his spirit, and man became nephesh, a living soul. That moment did something. It created a relationship of reliance. And since that time, as humans, we have tried our best to wrestle free from that reality. But we will never get away from needing God. Friend, you can believe that it is your, your prescription medicine, your medicine that's keeping you alive, and please follow doctor's orders and take your medicine. Please hear me say that. But let me tell you something, God is keeping your heart beating. God is putting breath in your lungs. His life, his breath isn't just in your body. Because if you've accepted him into your life, it's down deep in your soul. You say, well, Lisa, you don't know me. And you're right. But God does. You say, you have no idea what I'm facing or what I deal with. You're right. But I say with that breath in your lungs that God gave you and sustains in you, 
You can inhale and exhale and breathe because God is on it. He is over all the universe. He knows you and he loves you. Job in verse eight says this, I go east, I go west. I don't see him in the north. I don't see him in the south. He sounds to me in that place like a pretty desperate man. What I hear in that is someone who's looking all around who doesn't see God, who doesn't feel God. He doesn't know where God is. But listen to this. He also says, in the same breath, but he knows where I'm going. What's interesting to me is that in one breath, he could feel so desperate and sound so desperate, and in the same breath, he could be so confident. How can someone be so so desperate and so confident? But that's just it. We are desperate for God, and we are confident that he knows us and he sees us in that desperation, reliance, dependence, faith, trust, hope, Emmanuel, God with us now and forevermore, ruach to nefesh. We, they were always meant to go together, a relationship of reliance. Right now, no matter what you're going through, you don't need to know where God is. You might say, I want to know where God is. That's a human emotion, I get it. But you don't need to know where God is because God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly where you are. Not kind of, not the general idea, but your heartbeat, your breathing pattern. That thought that just went through your mind, he knows it. Where you're gonna be in 57 minutes from now, God knows. God knew exactly where Job was and he knows exactly where you are too. God knows your needs. God knows your needs. You say, well, Lisa, I just really need a nap. This moment. I know some mamas feel that. Mamas of little kids for sure. I just need a nap. That's real. God knows that too. And you know what? He knows so much more. Do you know what it says in the Psalms? God knows the secrets of every heart. You say, well, my best friend knows everything. Oh, no. No, she doesn't. Oh, my spouse definitely knows everything. No, they don't. God doesn't know the, your spouse doesn't know the thought that just went through your mind. Your spouse doesn't know the secrets of the heart, but God, God does. And you might be the most put together person in this room. You might be the most successful businessman in this room. You might be the one who is the most financially put together in this room, but I can tell you something. Every single one of us has needs. I want you to do something with me, and it might feel a little awkward, but just do it with me. I want you to look at the person on your left and on your right. I want you to just kind of casually look around the room for a minute. Don't make this weird. It doesn't need to be. Just look around the room. If there's a pastor or a leader in the room, I want you to look at them. And then I want you to look at me. You didn't look and you aren't looking at a single person in this room without needs. Every single one of us has needs. I don't care how successful you are. 
I don't care how put together you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how many followers on social media you have. I don't care about any of that. Every single person has needs. And we can tell each other our prayer requests. And we can be vulnerable with one another. But I can tell you something. God wants to heal in you what you never tell anyone else and what isn't obvious to anyone else. God wants to heal that in you because God knows the secrets of every heart. I want to know when was the last time you went to the Lord like Job in Job 23.1 where he is groaning and he says, I'm trying hard not to groan out loud. Do you know that God accepts groanings? Those can be prayers. You need God for your difficult marriage. You need God for your atheist child. You need God for your constant worrying and your chronic anxiety. You need God for the longing of your heart and that grief that overwhelms you. You need God for your struggle with prescription pills. You say, oh, Lisa, not at Fox River, not, not a good Christian. Oh, yes, at Fox River. Oh, yes, good Christians. You need God for your shopping addiction. You need God to know how to bring your family back together. We all need God every day, every hour, every second. And God knows our needs. He knows them. God knows our fears. God knows right now what you're the very most afraid of. God knows it. I'll never forget when my daughter was little, she was on the road to becoming a, an amazing gymnast. She would go to these, all the gymnastics trainings and, and, and go to all the gymnastics things with and would attack all of the gymnastics events with this look of determination on her face. I actually called it her determined face because she would kind of like stick her tongue out and she had this furrowed brow and, and she was so confident and she would just attack all the events and I thought, oh, this girl's gonna be an amazing gymnast until one day she was doing uh, a standing back hands, handspring and she fell on her head. And I'll never forget, I, I, I literally watched the look of confidence leave her eyes. And from then on, she never wanted to tumble ever again. She never wanted to do gymnastics ever again. She'd make up excuses every time we'd start to go to gymnastics. She'd say, oh, mom, my stomach hurts. I don't wanna go. Oh, mom, I, I don't really like the teacher. Oh, mom, I don't really like to do gymnastics anyway. And she never wanted to tumble ever again. Friends, I, I have watched, especially since 2020, the look of spiritual confidence leave a lot of Christians' eyes. I've watched it. I, I took a, a poll on my social media not long ago, and 91% of women, I actually think the statistic might be a little bit low. By the way, these aren't, most of the, the women that follow me are, are, are Christian women, women that say that they love and believe in Jesus. 91% of women said they do not believe they can walk in this world strong. You know what that tells me? We either don't read our Bibles or we don't know what our Bible says because that is in direct contradiction to what it says in Ephesians 1, 18 through 22 that says God's power is available to us and it is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. That's not wimpy power. That is amazing power that is available to us who believe in him. Some of us have decided to let fear get the best of us 
We've gone through circumstances. We see what's happening in the world. And so we live our life walking with fear forward instead of faith forward. Listen, Job found rest in his unrest and in his pain and his circumstance in the same way we will find rest in our fears in believing and trusting that God knows. And in case you think that God's knowledge is like human knowledge, and so you think, oh, well, what is, what is God knowing? How does that help me in my daily life? Let me just assure you of something. God's knowledge is different. Because when God knows, what I'm saying is it's not stopping with his mind. It doesn't mean that your life is just on his mind. It means it's also in his hands because God knowing includes all of his other attributes. So when I say God knows, that also means God loves, God cares, God sees, God works for the good because when you have the Lord, you have all of him because God can't separate himself from himself. God knows your needs. God knows your fears. And I need you to hear this so clearly. God knows your future. God knows your future. All the time Job was dealing with hardship, God knew that he was still in control that the silence would soon be over and that Job would be okay and even blessed in the end. And only one person knew that and it wasn't Job. God. When God finally broke the silence and spoke to him, God did so in a whirlwind. I don't have time to get into all the the nerdy biblical stuff, which I love to, about the significance of a whirlwind. But let me tell you something. The whirlwind represents the power and the strength of Yahweh. Yahweh has his way in the whirlwind, in the storm. It says that in Nahum. Now, listen, there's lots of significance there. Why would God speak to Job in a whirlwind? I don't know, the mind of God, but I will tell you this. Perhaps he wanted Job to visually see, I've got this. I've always had this. Look at my strength. I've got you. I know all. He asked Job a series of questions when he spoke that he knew Job didn't know the answer to. Why? Because we don't know, but God knows. There are some mamas in this room that need to know that God knows not only about your future, but your child's future. You don't know, and you don't have it, but God knows. And when people say he's got the whole world in his hands, that is not a slogan. That is true. And you might not know where God is right now. You might be like, Job, I look east, I look west, I look north, I look south. I can't find him. I can't feel him. But I need you to know that God knows exactly where you are. God knows about those finances. He knows about the child that you cannot fix. He knows about how you feel like a failure. God knows that your house is a mess, you need a nap, and that you privately battle with your thought life. God knows. 
He knows your longing. He knows your grief. He knows how perfectionism is killing you and everybody around you. He knows how you long for some guidance and how you love for someone just to mom you today. Your God has you and he is aware of your needs and he loves you so much and he longs for you to do what you were always created to do, rely upon him. Ruach to Nefesh, a relationship of reliance. This is what I write in the end of my book, God Knows. I gave my daughter Shay a bracelet not long ago that means a great deal to both of us with the words on it, just breathe. She wears it nearly every day. Sometimes when she was little in her worries, she was so panicked I could sense she was holding her breath and needed to exhale. I would tell her, honey, just breathe. Shay also has asthma. The doctor said she might outgrow it, but it remains, and now it's been years. We've had some scares with her condition, so the phrase just breathe comes with an even deeper level of meaning and trust. And when she went off to college, thousands of miles away from me, I could at times hear the worry in her voice, and I would say to her over the phone to just breathe like I did when she was young. And in my own set of worries, I would need to just breathe too with my best friend so far away. The Ruach of God is what sustained her in those times when she couldn't breathe and when she chose to hold her breath. He knew her and knows her still. When I'm especially worried and missing her, Jesus comforts me with this knowledge. The Ruach of God sustains you too. When you are holding your breath because it's hard and it hurts. And when you have the breath knocked out of you, he knew you and knows you still. It is not your will, your wit, your worrying hard enough. You became a living soul because he breathed into you. He wanted you. You weren't born in a hospital or with a doula. You were born by him. Back in September, I went to California. I was on a work trip. And I was at a point in my life where I was feeling super overwhelmed by a lot of things. I was working too much. I had a lot of things going on in my life. I had some emotional things I needed to deal with as well. And I was feeling very sick in my body. And I went to California and my husband was gonna come out and join me for our 27th anniversary and we were just gonna hang out and do some fun stuff together but I was feeling really, really sick. I didn't feel well and so we decided instead to forego all of our cool plans and go sit out by the Pacific Ocean and just hang out together. You know, after you've been married 27 years, you can just kind of blow off the cool plans and just be together. I mean, that's the cool part about being married for a while. And so we did that, and we went out and we sat out in some rocks overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And in my overwhelm and stress, and not feeling well, I said to my husband, as I just sat out there and watched those waves, those huge waves just crash, crash, 
said, honey, I, I want to swim out in that ocean and not swim back for a while. I didn't want to end my life. I just wanted to escape it for just a little while. I know you know what I mean. Some of us just like, just want, to, just want a little break and you get overwhelmed. You get me. As soon as I had that thought, this one came to my mind from Psalm 139. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. And I thought to myself, if I swim out in the ocean, you're there. And we don't know exactly when or where that psalm was written by David. Some say it was written in the wilderness when he was having his own difficulties with his own son. What we do know is that David was not devoid of problems. No, he was dealing with his own stuff. But he had confidence that God knew him and knew exactly where he was, no matter where he would go. He was convinced that God knew him. It was all he needed to know. Just like Job, I go east, I go west, I go north, I go south. I don't see God, I don't feel him. But I, one thing I know, he knows where I am. What about you? Do you know? Bow your heads with me. I don't know why you came today, but God did. If you think you're here on accident, I can assure you, oh, it's no accident. You're here for a reason. God knew you'd be here. He knew you would be in the seat you're sitting in. Because he knows you. He knows your breathing pattern. He knows your heartbeat. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows where you'll be in 57 minutes. He knows you. Everything. Not kind of, not sort of. He knows everything about you. You're here for a reason. I wonder if there's somebody in the room that might say, I needed to know that he knows me, that he knew I would be here today, that I'm not on accident, that he wanted me, that I'm on purpose, that this very moment is even ordained by him. If that's you, raise your hand. I'd like to see you and I'd like to pray for you even right now in my heart. Yes, I see you all over. Raise your hands, yes. I needed to know that God knows me and God knew me and God knew I would even be here today because I needed to hear this message in the balcony down low. You might have thought you were coming for a Mother's Day service, but it was much more than that, yes. How many of you might say, I need to trust in a God that can see a future that I can't see? Because right now, I can't see for my future. Yes, I see you. Raise your hand if that's you. I don't know about my future, but I need to know that God does because there's a future I can't see. Or I need to know for a future for my child. I long to know that. If that's you, let me see you. Raise your hand. Yes. You know, there's a lot of hurting mamas for children who don't love God or far away from God. I get messages all the time. 
You got to trust God in that because he's the only one who knows. I know that there may be somebody who's here that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, not in that way that we're talking about, not that that relationship of reliance, not one where you've maybe asked him into your heart and life to let him lead your life in that very intimate way. And I don't wanna miss an opportunity to ask you about that. So if you're here and you might say, Lisa, I don't have that personal relationship with the Lord that you're talking about, but I want to. Will you pray with me and lead me even quietly from my chair? If that's you, will you raise your hand so I can see you, so that I can lead you in that prayer just from the stage? I'm not asking you to come forward. I just would like to lead you through that prayer even right now. I don't wanna assume that somebody in this room isn't here like that. If that's you, raise your hand high so I can see it in the balcony as well. I'm gonna give you a moment here. you'll just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that I have sinned. I thank you for your free gift of salvation. I accept you into my heart and accept that free gift. I know I did nothing to earn it or deserve it but I am grateful for it. I love you. Come into my life. Lead me. I love you. If that was you, tell somebody after the service so that they can help follow up with you. I wanna lead us in a prayer as I dismiss. Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done in this moment. God, I thank you for every single one that you knew would be here, would be watching and listening. God, it's no accident. I thank you that you wanted us, that you breathed into us, that you created us, and that you know us and love us still. May we honor you and honor the gift of life for the rest of our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.